today on CityCast Madison. We're shaking it up, quite literally. With something Madison absolutely slays at, craft cocktails. We visited local bartender extraordinaire Jeremy Baisley from the Musky Lounge over on Monona Drive at a neighborhood bar to learn how to make three of his favorite holiday cocktails. Drinks you can make from home, including a booze-free soda. And it was dazzling. It's Thursday, December 22nd. I'm Bianca Martin, and this is CityCast Madison. Hello, Jeremy Baisley. I did not know that they let you out of the Musky Lounge. Occasionally, they will let me out for uh, a quick shower and an air out. Jeremy, I want to introduce you. Uh, Let's get a bit of who you are. (laughs) Well, my name is Jeremy Baisley. Uh, A lot of people in town call me Jerry, and that's mostly due to laziness. That third syllable gets a little bit precarious. I'm a Libra. I like long walks to the beach and horseback riding. Uh, I've been standing behind a bar professionally now for 28 years, which is a hard thing for me to admit uh, on film or on audio or other. Uh, I started when I was 15 in uh, Metro Detroit as a barback uh, under much different circumstances in the industry than we see now. But um, I made my way across Lake Michigan to Wisconsin, I think the first time in 2010. Uh, and I found myself behind the bar at Merchant. And that's where we met. That's where you and I met. That's yeah, correct. We worked together. Yep. They, uh, they, I kind of just like talked my way into a job there and then they talked me into being the bar manager and then kind of the rest is history. The rest is history, and it's still in the making, and you're still slinging craft cocktails, and they're very good. But this is a special holiday edition. And That's the holiday edition. I'm wearing a Santa hat. So we asked you to come up with three of your favorite holiday cocktails sure. and like kind of show us. They're going to walk us through for folks who want to make cocktails at home, uh, particularly for like holiday parties or any holiday festivities. Yeah. Um, so and including one non-alcoholic drink, just so everyone is has an opportunity here. Um, so what do you have for us? Well, uh, like you mentioned, it's the holiday season and it's, I don't think it's any secret that during the holiday season, a lot of booze gets drank. There's a lot of cheer and merriment to go around. Uh, a lot of get togethers, a lot of like high school reunions, a lot of family reunions, and it's good to have a, a beverage of some sort in your hand. Uh, and within this season, there's a lot of great flavor profiles to kind of explore. Obviously, like you're going to be talking about a lot of, um, spices you're gonna be talking a lot about a a lot of dark sort of spirits maybe uh we're gonna we're gonna get through uh three drinks here like you mentioned we're gonna talk about a hot mulled cider which is a very easy thing to make at home and kind of leave on the stove if you're having a party Uh, also a great way to get rid of any sort of booze you might have kicking around that you don't know what else to do with because you can kind of hide those things in a pretty good mulled cider the other one we're gonna do is called the uh, a very blitz and bianca which we (laughs) which we repurposed. It's an old drink from the old merchant uh, canon, uh, uh, done originally by a great friend of mine named John Newmuller, who was one of the original bartenders at Merchant. So yeah, we took one of Johnny's drinks that he originally called the Valkyrie and we repurposed it. I've always thought this is a good holiday drink because of the uh, Angostura bitters as plays a key component in this drink. And that has a lot of the holiday sort of spices already kind of built in. You've got like chinchona, cinnamon, nutmeg, all kind of like already worked into that. And we're going to combine that with some Reposado tequila, which is maybe like an underused holiday spirit. 
and uh, some citrus and, and whatnot. And then you also mentioned we're going to be doing an NA drink. We're going to whip up a uh, cranberry ginger soda, which is a really easy thing to do at home as well for anybody that's looking to have a drink in their hand that doesn't have booze in it. Fantastic. I cannot wait. Let's get to it. All right. Uh, we're going to do the cider first. Is that right? Mm-hmm. I've already prepared the mulled cider. I did that last night. Um, and to do it, it's pretty easy. Basically, you're going to need cider, obviously. Uh, I've got a recipe that I like to use that kind of is based off of a gallon. And for a gallon of apple cider, you'll also need about eight to 10 cinnamon sticks, about two tablespoons of cardamom pods, uh, about a teaspoon of the allspice berries, two tablespoons of coriander seeds, 12 whole star anise, and about two tablespoons of clove, whole clove. And basically what you want to do is put that cider on the stove and heat it up till just before it boils and then bring the temperature down. You don't want it to boil at all. What I like to do is to take almost all of those spices and put them into a big tea bag. So if you have one of those at home, that works really well. You just kind of shove them all in there. You make yourself a little bag. And then you literally let it steep in that hot cider for about an hour just before a rolling simmer. Uh, And then you just kind of strain it all out. And what you're left with is a beautiful mulled cider. And you can drink that by itself or you can add some booze. Uh, A crowd favorite with the mulled cider is always going to be bourbon or rye. I usually prefer rye in mine. Uh, Bourbon maybe a little bit too hot. Uh, of a spirit for it. Rye kind of blends itself. And what does that mean, too hot? Sometimes it'll have like more of an alcoholic bite, Mm. uh, which will kind of like argue with some of those spices maybe. Uh, Whereas rye will sometimes slip in right behind some of those spices and taste a little bit better. But like I said, you can kind of get rid of a bunch of different booze off your shelf for this one. Rum's really good. Uh, If you want to get crazy, even like a mezcal kind of brings like a weird smoky element to it. But yeah, feel free to get creative with this one and kind of just put some booze in there. Like I said, the cider is going to really be doing most of the work on this drink. So you're kind of just hiding booze into this one a little bit. Yeah, I feel like there's a little like teeny hippie inclination in me to point out that a lot of those spices also go into yogi tea. <laughs> They're like antioxidants. So it's actually really good for your health. That's kind of a powerhouse. That's uh, not a spices. teeny hippie. That's 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 all the way hippie. It's, okay. Well, I actually make it all the time, like literally a big batch. Well, of how about stuff. I make you this cider and then you can make me a tea in return? Deal. All right. Deal. Okay. So like I said, you, you're gonna, your work on this one is going to be like an hour or so of just mauling the cider. And then, you know, if you're doing this at home, especially for a party, the other added uh, advantage to this is your house is going to smell incredible. It's basically like burning like a very expensive candle, except for you're going to drink it. Oh. But it's great to just leave on the stove and as your guests come in, be like, hey, would you like a hot malt cider? Would you like booze in that? And then you add the booze, add the cider. You can get creative with the garnish. I usually like to garnish this drink with like one floating pod of the star anise and a, and a cinnamon stick. It's also great to uh, mull this with some sliced orange, which I did. I forgot to put that into the ingredients that I just listed. Uh, but then you can take one of those sliced oranges and kind of just like float that on top and uh, the presentation is nice. And, people will add it to their Instagram story or whatnot. (laughs) Yeah. All right. So the mulled cider, I'm going to add about an ounce and a half to two ounces of bourbon to this one because the bourbon's right here in handy and you look like you might be a bourbon drinker. To measure that, if you have a jigger at home, feel free to do it. I'm going to free pour this. what's a jigger? Oh, a jigger is one of those weird looking things that you see craft cocktail bartenders hold in one hand while they hold the booze in the other. And it's literally just a little measuring tool. Uh, One side of this, for example, will have a measurement for one ounce, three quarter of an ounce, half an ounce, and a quarter ounce. And on the other side, I've got two ounces and an ounce and a half. 
when you're doing craft cocktails, it is very important to make sure that your things, your cocktails are balanced. And each recipe is usually hard fought and, and totally hammered out by like a team of professionals to try and find those exact appropriate measurements. Uh, if I'm pouring you like a vodka soda, I'm probably going to free pour that because I'm pretty good at it and I'm old and I've been doing it a long time. But you will also see people just kind of like doing that into a jigger as well. Yeah, well, it looks kind of like a time glass, like or a time, um, an hourglass. Well, with let's sand. show you how it works. Straight into the cup. And put this right on top. I feel so lucky. As you can see in the cider, I still have some of the um, you have some of the coriander and some of the cinnamon kind of sediment. That's great. You kind of want that floating around in there. Yeah. Looking like a lake. It does look a little bit like a lake, like Mendota yeah. or Monona. Yeah. I'm gonna float this anise pod right on top. Cinnamon stick floating right in there. That's gonna soak and that's gonna continue to steep. Give you a little bit more cinnamon as you drink. And then I'm going to go one step further here and I'm going to use a Y peeler and I'm going to peel off a little bit of this orange peel. And then I'm going to express this across the top. And what I, when I say express, I'm going to hold the skin towards the drink, the pith side towards me. And I'm just going to try and manipulate this skin a little bit. And it's going to release some of its natural oils across the top. Sure. And I'm going to give that a quick rim job around the outside so that when you're drinking this, you're going to get a little bit of that orange oil each time. And I'm going to put that right oh. into the drink as well. Yeah. And so uh, the Y peeler kind of looks like a teeny little potato peeler or something like yeah, that. Yeah, like so a potato got, peeler. You peel the skin off. You'll see bartenders <laughs> doing it and sometimes If I'm you're paying like, attention. What is that person even doing? Is this just magic trick? It's just, it's just literally just citrus oil right across the top. I love it. And that's it. That's the hot mulled cider. All right. Why don't you give that a taste and let me know if I've done it right. Thank you so much. Oh my gosh. That is really, really, really lovely. And the citrus adds like just the right amount of brightness, I guess. So yeah. It's warm and it's bright. And mm -hmm. that's a great way to describe citric acid. That's usually what you're using it for is to brighten up a drink. Mm. Well, it's a bright color. And then, yeah, it's, it's, it's lovely. <laughs> that's about a 12 ounce coffee mug that I've, I've done. So it's about, like I said, about an ounce and a half of bourbon. And then the rest is the cider. What are we doing next? We're doing uh, the, the, a very Blitz and Bianca. I think so. Yeah. So like we mentioned, this is a drink that was originally on the merchant menu uh, by John Neumuller, who's out in LA doing great things and good flips. I just wanted to kind of like mention this because people are like, well, you just changed the name. It's kind of a dirty little industry secret that I'm going to let you in on now is we do that all the time in this industry. Uh, a lot of times we'll take a drink that's successful. We might change a couple of things. We might add a different ratio or one or two different ingredients, but the, the root of that drink stays the same. Uh, and then we'll give it a different name. Like I said, this one is going to be a, uh, a tequila base. We're going to use um, Reposado tequila and we're going to combine that with some lemon and some lime juice and uh, a little bit of simple syrup and then Angostura bitters. And the Angostura bitters, a lot of times you just see one or two dashes of that into a drink. This drink actually calls for three quarters of an ounce, which on the, on the surface is an absurd amount of Angostura bitters, but it really incorporates itself well. And to speak on, you know, repurposing cocktail, this cocktail, the original version was a riff off of an old classic called the Trinidad Sour, which is like a rum, ango, and orgeat cocktail. 
And this one that New Mueller did with the tequila, literally just a riff. So we've just in this industry been riffing over and over and over again on the classics. Is orgeat like orange? No, orgeat is like a oh, like like a nut syrup, basically. Oh, okay. So let's start with the Ango. And like I said, it's going to be three quarters of an ounce. I'm going to use this fancy bottle that they have at the Robin Room, but you can literally just pull the top off of uh, an Ango bottle at home. They, those little dasher bottles, those just come right off, and you can pour it a little bit easier than trying to dash yeah. it. That's sleek. Real sleek. I have to say. Thank you for noticing. Mm-hmm. Have to give it up. I'm going to do three quarters of an ounce of simple syrup. I'm going to do a quarter ounce of lime. And a half ounce of lemon. And those are fresh juices or That's does correct. it matter? The fresher the juice, the better the cocktail. That's always the rule of thumb. Now, there's nothing wrong with using uh, pasteurized juice at home if uh, you can't get your like hands on or if you don't have the wherewithal to do the fresh stuff. But if you can do fresh, always go with fresh. Mm. That is the name of the game in the cocktail world. I'm going to use this Fortaleza Reposado because it's handy. I'm going to use one ounce of this. So not an overly boozy cocktail. You like you notice I've only used one ounce of the tequila and three quarters of the Ango, which has a very small amount of alcohol in it. So this is another one that you can kind of have several of and not, you know, need to like get dragged out by your hair. And I'm going to shake this in a tin. So I've always said when I'm doing these types of things and talking about drinks that you're going to make at home, you're, you might not have all the tins and tools at your disposal at home, but you could kind of make a makeshift tin. Like if you had an old spaghetti jar or a soup can or something, anything that's going to be hold up to you shaking ice vigorously is going to be just fine. I've used like a mason jar. That works, yeah. yeah. Mason jar works well. All right, I'm going to shake this cocktail. You do want to shake this one a little bit longer than in other cocktails. And that, uh, the reason for that is the Angostura bitters is a bit of a hard component. It doesn't really play well with others. So you really kind of have to force the issue here to get it to emulsify. Now for this drink, I'm going to pour it into this fancy pants coupe glass. But again, at home, feel free to use any sort of vessel you'd like. This one even is good on the rocks if you'd like. But I'm going to double strain this because I'm fancy with a Hawthorne strainer and a tea strainer. And you mentioned emulsify, which is a beautiful word, one that I've heard before and should know at this moment. It's a multisyllabic word. I think it's like a 300 SAT score. Yeah, nice. Yeah, I'm basically incorporating all the ingredients in together. And they are blending into a new ingredient, which is this cocktail. Got it. Transformation. Alchemy. Science. Science. So now, as you can see, this cocktail is a beautiful red-ish color because of the Ango, mm. uh, and which really kind of speaks to the season. Mm-hmm. It's got a nice froth on top, which is usually uh, the sign of a well-shaken cocktail. Yes. And for the garnish on this one, I'm going to go again back to the orange peel. And I'm going to peel this off with the Y peeler. And then I'm going to get this again, the pith side towards me and the skin out towards the cocktail. And I'm going to manipulate this right across the top. And you can see the little spritz of of oil coming off the peel. Love it. Gorgeous. 
gorgeous, honestly, and that's like it's like a light ruby color. It really is a beautiful cocktail. And there it is, the very Blitz and Bianca. I feel so honored. Thank you. Why, thank you. It's very, very cute. And I'll put that on your tab. All right, that sounds only fair. I think that that brings us to the next drink pretty well. I mean, the, the idea that a, a cocktail has to have booze in it is, is a fallacy. With all the tinctures and all of the syrups and fresh juices and stuff that you disposal when you are running a good craft uh, cocktail bar, you should be able to put something together that doesn't have any booze in it. And I think you see that a lot. The one that we're going to prepare today is a very simple one that I think anybody should be able to do at home. The hardest part about this would be the ginger syrup. Now, the ginger syrup we have here at the Robin Room is a really great ginger syrup, and it's a, a bit of a, a, an industry secret that I won't give you all of the recipe on that one because, you know, that's just how it goes. It's a trade secret. But to make a good ginger syrup... We won't tell anyone. You can do a different version at home. It's pretty easy. If you just go and get some raw ginger root and juice it, uh, and most people, I think, have, like, a masticating juicer at home, which would be, like, you shove a a root vegetable into and it'll separate juice from solid. Uh, and if you take that juice that you're left with and strain it, and then uh, you wanna go two to one on the sugar. So uh, you can do that by volume, it's best to do it by weight, but you wanna go double the amount of sugar and then literally just blend it. So you can do that in a blender uh, or you can do it on the stove and uh, with a lot of movement. And that's your ginger syrup, and that one, that'll keep for forever. You can put that in the fridge, you can put that on anything, put drizzle on your ice cream, put it in drinks, wow your friends. I don't have one of those blenders, but would something like, you know, like Trader Joe's has like frozen pureed ginger, or pureed ginger, would that work similarly? I bet or you not? that would work. Yeah. I think if you took that and if you cooked that down with some sugar, uh, equal parts I would imagine on that one probably end up with something delicious but you know part of the fun is experimenting at home as well and to try and find your preferred ratio on a ginger syrup would be fun for all we're going to make a cranberry ginger soda which is a very simple one-two punch on this one and a great some uh winter sipper and a great thing to have in your hand if you're at a, at a party and you're trying to stay away from the booze so we're going to start with the aforementioned ginger syrup i'm going to do three quarters of an ounce of this and you can see this is pretty thick Viscous. Yes. And I'm gonna put that right into the tin. I'm gonna give this um, a half ounce of lime juice. And then I'm gonna go three quarters of an ounce with the cranberry juice. As you can see, I'm just using store-bought cranberry juice here. No need to get too weird on that stuff. Now for this one here, for this purposes, I'm gonna do what's called a whip shake. Because I have good pebble ice here, I'm just gonna use a little bit of the pebble ice. And the reason that I'm using that is because I don't wanna over dilute this uh, while I'm shaking it because I'm gonna add soda water to it and that should be the dilution rate. Uh, if you're doing this at home, like a single ice cube would be what you wanna do in this tin or whatever spaghetti jar, mason jar you're using. But it's just a real quick one. Whip shake. I'm gonna drain one half tin into the other clean as I go and then I'm gonna add the soda and I'm gonna use this Collins glass with some cube ice I'm gonna once again uh, enlist the help of this Hawthorne strainer and it's like I've done it before if I had maybe like some candied cranberries that might be good or 
even like a simple lime wedge would be, be a nice little garnish on this one. Feel free to get creative at home. Put a little jingle bell on it or a, what do you call it? What do you hang on? What do you hang on the trees? An ornament. That's, thank you. That's the word I was looking for. <laughs> Any sort of ornamental garnish would work on this one, I think. And it is pretty. Yes. Thank Cranberry you. Cranberry ginger soda. Very kindly. All right. I love it. I'm a ginger hound. I love ginger so much. This yeah. tastes, this is fantastic. I also enjoy the ginger. Yeah. In almost every aspect. I wanted to ask you about what do you think is special about the Madison craft cocktail scene specifically? You know, I think that what you saw in the craft cocktail world in particular is the Renaissance kind of happened on the coasts, right? You had New York and, and San Fran and L.A. And those places kind of like were on the forefront of the rebirth of the cocktail movement, which is an American industry and an American tradition from pre-prohibition time. Those things came into the country, into the middle of the country. And then what you saw in the quote-unquote flyover states and the Midwest was we basically repackaged it. Specifically in places like Madison, we realized that at the end of the day, what it should be is just a real comfortable room. And I think you're sitting in one right now. I think the Robin Room kind of exemplifies that. It's a neighborhood dive bar that also happens to have some of the best cocktails in town. And I think that's special and unique to, to Madison and the Midwest in particular, that we have that culture of it doesn't really matter. You can come into the Robin Room and have a hams and a shot of whiskey, and the person next to you might be drinking a $15 cocktail, and nobody really cares. A hundred percent. Jeremy, it's been a total pleasure. Too much fun. Thank you for taking the time to talk to us and teach us about some holiday craft cocktails. And very happy holidays to you, my favorite local Canadian rock singing bartender. You rock. Thank you. Bianca, thank you so much for having me. It's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, and, you know, people know where to find me, I think, now if they have any questions about any of this. And happy holidays to all your listeners out there. You can find links to all of Jeremy's recipes on our show notes. And you can find bartender Jeremy Baisley at the Musky Lounge on Monona Drive. And here's what else Madison's talking about. This big old winter storm. It's giving you permission to stay in. The city's putting off trash pickup this Friday the 23rd. So if you usually put your trash out on Fridays, you need to wait until Monday the 26th, right after Christmas. And if you usually put it out Monday, you'll need to wait till Tuesday the 27th. And some New Year's Eve festivities. WRT's annual New Year's Eve benefit party will be at Alchemy on Atwood Avenue with live music from Nuggernaut and Friends, a jazz funk band. And DJ Evan Woodward opens. Doors at 10 and tickets are $15. Also, a record release show at the Crystal Corner Bar on Willie Street with no coast records for the ethereal synth-pop artist Carolee's new LP CD. Also on the roster are Dog's Blood, Wristwatch, and Educational Davis. Starts at 9, tickets are $10. And the Sylvie on East Wash has a gimme gimme disco dance party inspired by do 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 Abba. So if you're like me and have that one ridiculously shiny outfit, 
or five that really only fly on New Year's Eve? This is for you. Go claim your title of Dancing Queen. Remaining tickets are between $30 and $40. Doors are at seven. And if sequins and 1970s Swedish pop bands aren't your thing, the UW Arboretum has two nature walks planned. There's one at 6.30 p.m. on New Year's Eve and a hike at 1 p.m. on New Year's Day to help usher in the new year. The events are free, but they're asking folks to register at the UW Arboretum website. You meet at the Visitor Center. Dress warmly and wear boots. That's all for today here on CityCast Madison. I'm Bianca Martin. We're produced by Molly Stentz and Dylan Brogan. Music is by Carl Christensen. If you enjoyed the show, why not tell your favorite bartender about us? You can also get more news delivered right to your inbox from our friends at Madison Minutes. And this is our last episode of 2022. It's true. We are taking next week off. In the words of Beyonce, sorry, not sorry. And friends, I highly encourage you to do the same. Stay warm, stay cozy, and we'll be back with you on January 3rd with a New Year's resolution or two. And... Happy New Year! See you soon. It's CityCast in Madison, used to be a swamp.